This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, bringing to you the Short Talk Bulletin, published by the Masonic Service Association of North America every month since 1923. This, the Short Talk Bulletin podcast, is produced in cooperation with the MSA and is made possible with the generous support of a grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota. Greetings. I'm Russ Charbonneau, past Grand Master of Masons in California, 2014-15. It is my pleasure to present Short Talk Bulletin, Volume 96, Number 9, September 2018. Communicating Masonry, or some things I never heard in Lodge, but wish I had. Most Worshipful Conrad Hahn, past Grand Master of Connecticut, Executive Secretary of MSA in 1964-1977, authored many short talk bulletins. This is a digest of a paper recently found in the archives that he wrote May 22, 1971. In the last two decades, we have frequently been told that one of the reasons for poor attendance in lodges is television. QED, the boob tube has captured the average Mason's mind. You can't expect to see him in Lodge. Telly knows that allurement results from a combination of excitement and satisfaction. Stir the blood, but never the intellect. But television communicates, have no doubt about that. Some Masonic leaders and organizers are fully aware of that as well. So they find extravaganzas, colorful parades, etc the answer to Masonry's problem of poor attendance. But what does it do for the brother with the serious modern malaise, the feeling of a loss of individuality? The assumption, of course, is that the average Mason is a boob who needs the tube. But what consideration is given to the individual brother's need for Masonic communication? Treat him the way the siren television treats him. Seduce him with excitement, but for heaven's sake, don't stimulate the intellect. If Freemasonry is truly a speculative art, it must challenge such an adversary with its principal tools, philosophical examination and illumination. First, we should challenge the denigrating assumption that the average brother is a tube addict with no higher interest in life than to be sold things. But when have you heard of a Masonic Lodge offering as a counterattraction a discussion of the price you pay for television viewing? The mere act of telewatching is a passive act. Such passivity and its resultant powerlessness are among the most dangerous epidemics in our society today. This is one of the things against which many young people are protesting today. They sense the fact that if a man or woman is to develop the rich individuality and full potential of which a human being is capable, he needs more than hollow values and perishable products of consumerism, the basic mode of behavior which television teaches and inculcates. So what has Masonry had to say about this crassly materialistic means of communication? Not much except to blame it for poor attendance. Yet Masons know, or should know, that the individual needs not only meaningful, productive work, but also love, beauty, creativity, contemplation, 
contact with nature and participation and support of his own lifestyle. In that list of words, I can see a whole year's program of Masonic education for good and wholesome instruction. But I've heard of very few Masonic lodges which have tried to meet the challenge of the salesman's medium of communication with that kind of Masonic communication. Communicating Freemasonry is communicating ideas. Masonic lodges should communicate ideas, especially ideas about the world in which they exist. Another idea about which Freemasonry could have something to say, but rarely does, has been introduced by a phrase which I used a moment ago, one's lifestyle, which results from one's values and aspirations. One of the insidious cancers of our American way of life is a competitive urge which drives too many men to an early grade. They call it the rat race. What is the prize they strain to attain? How do you help a man to be wiser and happier if he struggles incessantly to accomplish too many things in too little time, developing within himself a frantic sense of the urgency of time? Or if he struggles too competitively with other individuals, all the time. Perhaps the approach for Masons to communicate with such men is through the little used tool of enlightenment, education and philosophy to be specific, style of life, the values by which men live, the enduring satisfactions. These are certainly subjects by which we can communicate Freemasonry. But the trouble is we have not maintained our masonry as a school of life. Masonic lodges should communicate ideas, especially ideas about the world in which they exist. Freemasons have always prided themselves on the way in which they have practiced the second great tenet of their profession, that of charity. In the simpler bygone eras that virtue was exemplified directly and effectively by the relief of distress of unfortunate individuals within the local community. When a brother's widow and children were in want, the members of the lodge flew to their assistance with practical gifts of cash, food, and clothing. But with the tremendous increase in Masonic membership in the 20th century, and with the universal urbanization and mobility of our population, the modern Mason is no longer oriented to a single community or to one local lodge. Masonic charity to continue its effectiveness had to be organized on a wider basis like the Grand Lodge. And in the process, it was necessary to institutionalize Masonic benevolence. While I acknowledge gratefully all the Masonic generosity which maintains these benevolent institutions and programs, I must also point out that something of great value to masonry has been lost in the institutionalization of so much Masonic charity. The simple direct involvement of the individual Mason flying to the relief of a distressed brother, his widow or orphans, has largely disappeared because the average Mason now makes his contribution for Masonic benevolence in the form of either an annual per capita or a contribution solicited by the distant governing body of his lodge, his chapter, his commandery, or his consistory. 
Usually, he merely writes a check. Rarely does he know who or what is benefited by his contribution. Too often, a brother never makes a contribution at all. They don't see a specific need or the result of the charity he is asked to give to, in line with his commitment as an entered apprentice. His imagination hasn't been stimulated. Masonry hasn't communicated effectively enough with such a member. In conclusion, I have really given you just three words or phrases, television, lifestyle, and private institutions. On these, I have hung some ideas which I believe concern our fraternity and which can be of use in communicating Freemasonry both to our members and to those outside. Once more, I suspect, I have revealed one of my basic prejudices, that Freemasonry is fundamentally an educational institution. As such, it should be seeking the truth of life in every sphere of human activity. And because of the disparity of men's experiences and the clash of their opinions, it should be trying to harmonize their points of view. As such, it has to appeal to the intellect, not to the blood, where passions that a civilized man must learn to subdue. If you would like to communicate Freemasonry in the broadest sense of that word, you must be like Chaucer's scholar, for gladly would he learn and gladly teach. This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry. And this has been the Short Talk Bulletin Podcast, produced in cooperation with the Masonic Service Association of North America for the purpose of providing a common stock of vetted Masonic information to all of the constituent lodges of all of the member jurisdictions and is made possible through a generous grant from the Grand Lodge AF&AM of Minnesota, who have been engaging and inspiring good men who believe in a supreme being to live according to the Masonic tenets of brotherly love, relief, and truth since 1853.